Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Second episode of the Fashion Demics with me, Sophie Johnson, and my co-host Laura. Woohoo! Hi, guys. So we've got a really exciting podcast lined up for you. I today. can't believe it. I know. So our very first industry guests as part of our Get to Know segment. Really excited. We have Dan and Melanie Marsden, the CEOs of Lounge Underwear. That is pretty epic. They are a Birmingham-based brand as well, and they're just about to turn five years old. So we can't wait to chat to them, congratulate them, and we're going to have a talk all about their brand sustainability and all about influence marketing and how that has impacted on their business model also as part of today we're going to do our in the know section as we always do and this week we are going to talk about influencer marketing um, me and law have very very different views on influencer marketing and influencer relations so it'd be really interesting to look at how this has changed um, during the course of the last 10 years which would be great and then finally we have our like to know so as you know we like to feature a particular product or brand that everyone's talking about right now and this is a bit of a weird one guys it's the H&M hugging jacket Ooh. so we'll tell you a little bit more about that soon Fabulous. So today's theme of our podcast is influencers, influencer marketing, all things influence. And I think to start off the conversation, I think it's really important that we we stop associating this term influencer with female, social media, fashion people because I think influence is so much bigger than that like if I think back to my childhood and what influences I had at the time Laura will agree Spice Girls all the way I think influence is a, is a bigger conversation than just fashion social media people I, I know that comes into industry it's very relevant right now and I'm sure that'll be kind of the main crux of our conversation and our debate today but I think it's really really important to actually look at what influence is and, and I know Laura's got lots of fantastic opinions on on like changing influence haven't you law yeah for sure i mean for me i think post pandemic we're going to see more consumers following people for a community feeling they want to feel like they are a part of something they want to engage with a certain group of people um i also feel like post pandemic we are going to see people more conscious about their health and well-being um and I know through friends and through students that influencers can have a serious effect on our mental health because everything on social media is 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 quite fake. You know, you're only going to put your best self out there. You're only going to show yourself in the best light. And I think the pandemic has shown this and it's put, there's Absolutely. been cracks in holes of these influencers' social media platforms. Definitely. And, and I, th- I think it's really going to change. I mean, for me, I, I know that you said to me the other day, Sophie, and it really stuck with me, you were like, oh, I'm not influenced to buy anything at all. And I was, I remember walking away being like, God, I am so heavily influenced. Yeah, we're total I, opposites, aren't I we? I follow so many influencers on social media. I mean, it's it's my own fault because 
they're the reason why I spend so much money each month on clothes because <laughs> I look at it and I think, oh my God, that looks so nice. I've got to have it and I'll buy it because of them. They heavily influence what I purchase. That's mad. See, I just scroll. I just scroll. I just don't. Like, for example, today I am wearing In The Style, not sponsored by In The Style, but, you know, send me some freebies if you want. <laughs> I've got a fab In The Style sweater on. It says stay at home dog mom because that is just my life. Love it. Um, And it's actually in the photo. It's part, of, I think, of Charlotte Crosby collection um no opinions on charlotte crosby i didn't buy it because it was a picture of charlotte crosby i literally bought it because i love the sweater and i do genuinely stand by that i cannot tell you the last time that i saw a product on someone celebrity social media influencer anyone i thought i want that i'm actually apart from the joe lycett print that i bought the other day (laughs) (laughs) but i'm the complete opposite i will buy something because i follow people that i think are beautiful they've got great style and i'm like oh i want to wear that too so that's probably where I get my fashion from but the same flip side of it I can look at people on social media and I can walk away and feel so terrible about myself and I think people that I've spoken to have felt the same they felt they're not enough they felt they're not pretty enough not stylish enough not successful enough but really I think you have to strip it back and say actually this isn't real life Mm -hmm. this this is just um a business to a sense. Instagram is used as a platform to sell a product, market a product, Absolutely. sell yourself as a person if that's your own business and brand. And I think sometimes people forget that. Absolutely. And I think, Law, we are of an, of an age in our early 30s, I will say. Oh, <laughs> but I do think that we have we have kind of been lucky to a degree where we remember a time without social yes. media. And we're probably going to talk a bit about... Vaguely. Yeah. We probably will talk <laughs> a little bit about our career shortly and how we've worked with influencers and how maybe that is impacting on what we think now about influencers. But I, I, I remember a time without get, you know, that I didn't get swept up with people like that and 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 i i say i can give and take social media i do love it but if it disappeared completely i think i'd be pretty okay with that i don't know what i do with my time because like i sit (laughs) in front of the tv and i'll scroll through my phone as soon as i wake up i pick up my phone it's it's actually a really bad habit that i'd love to snap out of which is why i think i need to like find a hobby yeah but like you said you know you sometimes you feel may feel bad about yourself for looking at influencer no influencer makes me feel bad about myself incredible i mean i'm so happy to genuinely say that and i do hope that more people uh, younger generations will start to feel like that i mean i think the the crux of maybe why I feel the way I feel about um, influencers is when when we first graduated, Laura, in two thousand and eleven, I went down to London um, and started my own PR agency, and it was very much a time where. Um, it was like lookbook.nu. Um, there wasn't really a, hu- a huge. Um, amount of influencers around and if I'm being Facebook didn't we yeah it was it was Facebook and and I went to work for a brand called Love oh god I loved working for Love it was brilliant I had a great time lovely um, family run brand um, online fast fashion so me really fantastic place to work and when I started down there as soon as we graduated um, I was thrown into a a role um, working on the web team working with influencers so I went down and I can't can't stress to our listeners enough influencers just weren't really Mm, that big then it was it was definitely more celebrity focused it was around the the first couple of series like the only way is Essex and people like that so I think that kind of pushed people to start following these people on social media it was more Twitter at the time actually I think yeah more so now I don't use Twitter no no god I don't engage with it um so 
I kind of went down and I was obviously told what to do in my role and we need to send clothing to this person and this person. I was like, I just do not get this. And I used to have this opinion of who who do these people think they are? Why do these people (laughs) think they have a right to tell us what's in fashion? You know, I'm thinking I've just done my fashion degree and they haven't got a fashion degree. Mm -hmm. You know, and I really didn't get it. And and the best thing I did as part of my role, which is really funny, um, is I actually started my own blog because I felt like to work in influencer marketing, I needed to understand it better. So I started my own blog. I'm not going to tell you the blog title because it's probably still live somewhere. There's probably some very embarrassing photos of me Go posing. <laughs> yeah, we'll give a prize to the listener who can find my <laughs> blog. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it, it did help me um, understand it. And at that time, there was a very like small community of people doing it, um, and you know, very, yeah. very unsaturated. And I think, well, obviously, what's happened, you know, since that? So we're talking ten years. Is it's absolutely blown up. Like I remember um, going to uh, an influencer event, and this limo p- picked us up. I remember sitting in a limo. <laughs> with a couple of influencers who were really, really lovely. But there was like, it was very kind of intense and everyone knew everyone because there wasn't that many around. Yeah, it was a small community. Yeah. But that's what I mean about, that's what I feel like we're going to revert back to, is that community feeling. Yeah, I hope so, because it was really nice and everyone knew everyone and supported people. It did, obviously, as it started to grow, get a little bit bitchy and that person couldn't be invited to this event because that person was going to be there. But then it kind of got through that stage because it just blew up. And now suddenly, I mean, I can't even really name an influencer because I don't like but what defines somebody is an influencer is it the amount of followers that you have amount of likes that you have I mean for me the way that I see it and how I would really love it to go is that an influencer becomes somebody who's inspirational you know look Mm -hmm. at David Attenborough he broke the world record on Instagram for the fastest time to reach one million followers after Jennifer Anderson and I think because everybody just admires him for what he stands for, what he does. Like, he's a true sustainable advocate, which we'll touch on in next the next podcast. Um, but I think people love that, and they, they followed him for that educational purpose, and I think that's why it blew up. So I'm hoping that the way we move forward is that we start following um, sustainability advocates, we start... Um, following people that are really inspirational, teachers, fitness experts, people that are experts in that field that Mm -hmm. you can learn from and feel good from. Yeah. Because the amount of people that I've spoken to, they're like, oh, I've just got rid of social media, I'm having a detox, because they feel so rubbish about it. Um, So hopefully that's the way it's going to move on. But of course now we've got TikTok in there, haven't we, which is a new new one, which, (laughs) I mean, I don't post anything on there, but I do find... It funny sometimes, but I also feel it's a complete time waster. So I think we need to, and hopefully we will start to follow people leading with purpose. That's what I would oh, really I like to see. Oh, I love that law. Leading with leading purpose. purpose. Yeah, because if not, we're just following people, their day-to-day lives, and it's not really their day-to-day because they're not being, it's not raw, it's not honest, you know, and I think that's what we want to see. Um, and I think we will steer away from this whole macro mega influencer and we'll start to be following micro influencers because it's been proven that micro influencers have um, a better engagement rate than mega influencers. Um, so that's really interesting. So I think it's brands will start working with people with smaller followings because they're not heavily paid to do adverts and sponsors and all that stuff. It's like I'm wearing what I like and what I think you guys 
would relate to. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's interesting now to see how brands are working with um, like a variety of influencers. I find it, I do find it refreshing, even though they don't influence me to purchase. I do find it refreshing when I see brands' pages and they yeah. work with disabled models or models with stretch marks. And I'm like, yes, real people, real, yes. real people, and that's what we want to see. Which leads me on to: Have you seen? Um, and I was quite surprised by this, but I, I'm all for it. In the Style have recently done a collection with Lad Baby Mum. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah, love it. I mean, I was shocked that they were going to do it because I thought, well, is she an influencer? But yeah, she's got hundreds of thousands of mm-hmm. followers. But what I love about her is she's just, she takes the mick out of herself, which she's is brilliant. relatable. Mm-hmm. Therefore, she's humanising herself. Yeah. You can... And you want to buy into her, don't you? Yeah. I, I will give absolute kudos to In The Style. Again, speaking from as someone that does not buy product based on who has worn it, um, I think In The Style have done a terrific job of cat, like captivating those consumers that do want that. And I think they are yeah. a really fantastic brand. I mean, his success, he's just phenomenal, isn't he, Adam? Um, the CEO of In The Style, I think he's done so, so well on building on that demand. And what I love, you know, he's got all, all kinds of people, hasn't he, from Terry in, uh, in The <laughs> yeah. Style uh, and then to these fashion online influencers. But then he's doing these fantastic collections and I hope that continues. I love, like, the Jacqueline Josser collection. Yes. And she's at home, you know, it's very, like, very pandemic, isn't it? But she's just at home with her kids. And, and a real size. Yeah. Yeah. She's not stick thin. I love she's, that. She's normal. Exactly. I mean, I, I, like I said, I haven't bought any of that product myself. and um, But I just love that even the brands that have built on this kind of very glamorous, aspirational social media and now having a, like, a reality check on that and actually saying, yeah. you know, yes, we still have that demand for the people that want to buy from reality stars and, and people with uh, millions of followers on Instagram. But actually, we still acknowledge that there's some consumers that we need to offer other things to. Two, yeah. and I think it's amazing. I think that's what In The Style do really well because if you look at their portfolio of influencers, they've got people from TOWIE, they've got real people like Lad Baby Mum, but they've also got Lorna Lux, mm-hmm. who, if you follow her on Instagram, she's renowned for premium buying luxury products. She's got all the latest handbags. She's got, you know, she calls her handbags her babies because she's got like eight Chanel's and all these Dior's and Balenciaga's mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But she shows how you can wear a fast fashion brand but look premium as well. So they've got a really, really good portfolio there. Yeah. My only thing there is obviously they're getting paid. Yeah, they are getting paid. That's that's and I think that goes back to kind of what influencers started, you know, and, and, and how, you know, they've gone from very organic micro community. They wear it because yeah. they love it. Um, you know, it, when I did start my blog, I got sent a few things from some brands. It was brilliant. I never, um, you know, but I would still only pick and choose what I actually really wanted. Yeah, that's what I like to see, though. I just don't... When you look at them and they're just posting everything, like, I hate it when they say, oh, this is what I've got in the post, and they're showing everything. I'm like, yeah, but would you actually use it? Because if you don't use it like it, then I don't really want it either, so... It's a bit of a time waster. Yeah, and it's. I think this. I think that that leads on really to this idea of trust. I think um, you know trust is really core to these relationships. And I'm speaking as a as a PR person here. 
um, trust, you know, in, in fashion, in public relations, and and building these communities with people and, and consumers is so so important. And trust is a big part of that, mm. and transparency is a big part of that. So I know obviously we've got things like hashtag ad and all those things. Spawn. So people have to be really like transparent about. Um, about you know are they being sponsored and things like that which which is fantastic uh, but I don't think that's deterred too many people but like you said it, it's do they really like that product yeah and I love it when influencers come out and say you know what I'm going to stop working with this company yeah. or, or, or whatever it might be because they actually want to give people the real deal and I just think it's become this like vicious cycle of, of kind of pressure and forcing people to buy things mm. that actually aren't very good I kind of see influencers now as a little bit like unattainable how models are perceived yeah you look at a model and think god you know i'm gonna put this cake down i'm not gonna eat that today because i want to look like that and you're never you're never gonna be that person it's out of reach and now i feel like when you see bloggers and influencers content creators whatever you want to call them nowadays when they have so many followers you just think it's not attainable the lifestyle that they, they have and they lead and the stuff that they buy. And I always wonder the amount of products that they get, that they receive, the amount of shopping that they do, how do they afford this lifestyle? Mm-hmm. One girl that I follow, I won't mention her name, but um, she did like a Q&A and somebody messaged in and said, do you actually keep all this stuff that you buy? And she openly said, I can't afford to keep all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I might like the product, but I have to, I'll take a photo of it, try it on and send it back. And people were like, isn't that, isn't that a bad thing to do? And she said, well, it's kind of like just being in a changing room and trying stuff off. I'm ju- trying stuff on, but I'm just sharing it with my audience. Mm. And really, I'm helping the brand because you're going to go and buy it. And I thought that's an interesting way of seeing yeah. it. But then I'm the person that's spending all this money because <laughs> I'm seeing it on them thinking, God, that looks great. Oh, I'm going to get it too. And I'm, you know, spending stupid amounts of money. But, um, but as I said previously, my return rate is 90% anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I can vouch for this. <laughs> but it's just interesting to see the power that a person has, even though what they're putting online isn't necessarily real life. Yeah, no, definitely. But but consumers are starting to see through that. And I think yeah. again, going back sorry, going back to the trust issue, consumers are savvy and you know, I probably consider myself a, a savvy consumer and, and and you know, like to check things out nowadays. Um so yeah, I think I think it's interesting. I think no one really knows the future of influence. No, but I hope it's it goes go. into a positive way, like I said, of of it being more revolved around people making change for the better good i mean i really like seeing influencers talking about um sustainable products and upcycling and i love it although it's annoying i love it when they say oh this is this is old i got this last year this is a few years old um i I think that's great and i think we need to see more of that but um you know look how well joe wicks in the pandemic launched with doing his p class every day absolutely loved that people loved the fact that he was doing good he was helping so many people mentally and physically and that's what i think we need much more of yeah absolutely i really do hope that people start to think wider about what an influencer is yeah and go and reach out and, and and source people to influence your life for the positive whether that be a podcaster maybe even us law we could be influencers imagine Imagine that um but yeah i think people need to go and find those influences um and it not just be about products and marketing but i think it'd be it'd just be really interesting as people start to do that and source other areas of influence Mm. in their lives what's going to happen to the the brands that depend so much that for me is a big key thing because so many brands have built I think in the style will always smash it now. They're, they're, they're established. They've, they've done amazing. But there's other 
brands that have kind of followed suit and tried to you know have influencer collaborations and constantly that their, their Instagram feeds are social media fashion influencers mm. what is going to happen when people start to detox and people start to say you know what I'm not going to follow this person it, yeah. anymore maybe like I do a little bit and go you know what no I'm not going to follow this person um you know I use Instagram quite actively at the moment but very much like my my, my, my uh, wedding Instagram yeah I, I'm I'm influenced by people talking about their weddings real people that have got 200 followers that are saying oh I've got my bridesmaid dresses from here and this that and the other I've kind of stepped away from that that's whole... so interesting because it's the opposite to me yeah it's really interesting so you just think how are these some of these brands going to survive when they have uh, their sales depend on so and so wearing that product and selling them 50 100 thousand of that particular garment um, because consumers really do have the power, like you said, we've said oh, about sure. putting the phone down, <laughs> putting timers on their phones to say, that's it, stop scrolling, yeah. you're not allowed on Instagram for the day. I also feel like they there is that negative side to it as well. Another post that I saw quite a few people share on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and it was um, like a conversation with a restaurant, and it was like, hi, I'd really like to... Um, put your food on my Instagram, um, would you mind giving me like a free meal and I'll shout about it? And they were like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then they're like, okay, but I've also got like a couple of friends around for dinner, so do you mind feeding them as well? Oh. And it's almost like it, he was actually saying, <laughs> actually, it's so wrong and it is so wrong. Like you shouldn't have to email a brand to get free stuff. It should be you supporting a brand, you promoting a brand because you want to and the brand partner partnering with you to say, I think you really connect with our consumer. Absolutely. I think you're right for our brand. Let's have a relationship here. And the consumers can see through that. And yeah, the, definitely. You know, the consumers can see when it's when it's forced and it's fake and it's paid and it's it's non-organic. So yeah, I think the, I think this podcast will probably will probably be talking about it again in six months, twelve months. Yeah, and let's review it. Let's, let's come back review, and review it and look at what we said because I think it's just such a quick, ever-changing industry. But it's really interesting and and you know some some fashion brands are doing some amazing things and you know we've we've speaking to lounge today as part of our podcast they do some fantastic things with influencers their feed is absolutely brilliant i love looking at their photos because their models are so varied that the people they work with from it's real small followers to large followers to people with stretch marks it's just amazing and so inspirational so i do feel i hope that a lot of brands follow suit and a lot of consumers seek these kind of purpose-led um influential um accounts and people i think that would be great yes watch this space hi everybody we are so so excited for our first guest the incredible dan and melanie marston who are the ceo and co-founder of lounge underwear welcome both Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Oh, no problem. Yeah, we're really excited. So excited. Um, we're also very excited that you have a dog because um, we are massive <laughs> dog lovers. We're, you'll find we're always talking about our dogs. Um, so that is brilliant. Um, we want to just start off straight away with our first question. Um, we'd love to understand how uh, lounge underwear came about. You know, I've seen that you started at home um, with a sketch and a thousand pounds. So how did your business grow from that? What was the initial idea? Right, I want to start an underwear brand. I, th- I think this is the, the cool thing about our brand because um, a lot of companies that were started up at our, in our space, when I say space, I mean like the kind of social media space around our time, were found very differently. So there were like gaps in the market or the person was passionate about the product or couldn't find that, that what they were looking for. Whereas the truth behind Lounge was that it was very different because we'd started up 
uh, loads of companies which all ultimately failed, but kind of took learnings for all, from all of them, which is the kind of you know key to being an entrepreneur, I guess. But yeah, um, we essentially knew how to market a product through social media from previous experience. So we actually built the product around the marketing strategy. So Lounge was actually reverse engineered, which is very different ah, to a lot of companies, okay. I think. Mm. Um, and we've actually been kind of advised to not tell this story and go, go from <laughs> more of... Yeah, because this, this, this is the reality of it, right? Um, rather than going from, oh, we were really passionate about um, women empowerment and self-confidence mm-hmm. and stuff. And the reality is that, that that side of the business actually came second Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the this is the two halves of the business, but yes, yeah, so had to be there was loads of criteria that had to go into this uh, marketing strategy. It had to be uh, cheap to ship, uh, small enough so it fitted in what was classed as a, a raw mail large letter, so we could post it around the world for relatively cheap. It had to be brandable, so when people posted in it, you knew uh, what the company was. Cheap to store, cheap to bring in with large margins because we didn't have any investment or yeah. any money at the time. Um, and it just so happened that underwear was the perfect product to fit around this marketing strategy. So the business essentially was built on really kind of like solid foundations. But then this is where, as the company kind of grew, um, is where Mel's half comes in. And obviously, once you've kind of got the business working and showing actually, you know, in a profitable position, position this is where Mel can really work her magic and really bring in the women empowerment, the community yes. and brand brand side of it, which is the power of lounge, no doubt. Mm. But you can't have that half of it without having the actual business foundations, being able to make a business work right. Absolutely. Um, Did either of you have experience in product development or design prior to launching lounge? No. Uh, no. I love oh, this. Right. Me too. It seems very spontaneous. Yeah. <laughs> and for our listeners that may or may not know, Mel and Dan are husband and wife. So it's really, it's lovely to... It's like, a love story. Hear. It is, it's a love story. It's, it's amazing to hear. You know what, I love that. I love that. I feel like we've got a bit of an exclusive there in terms of like the truth behind your brand yeah. and, and how mm. you build that. And I think that could be like a real inspiration for some of our listeners that are wanting to go into the fashion industry or want to set up their own business. I, you know, I love the fact you're thinking about, you've thought about gaps in the market and postage and all these things. It's, it's the reality of, of owning a business. And mm. um, yeah, that's really amazing. So like, tell us, obviously you're celebrating five years this month. Uh, so tell us about kind of your growth and how that's been built and what you do a bit more, Mel, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So as Dan said, um, my my whole goal for the business as the, the brand officer is to ensure that our brand has value, I suppose, and that we connect with our community in a really organic and authentic way. Um, so obviously the growth through the pandemic has been absolutely bonkers, to be quite frank with you. Obviously it's been a bit of a strange year for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but Do for us, obviously we're, we're selling products that obviously people at home are going to absolutely love and adore. So yeah. it's been a, a challenging but really exciting year for us. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, our brand and, and what our goals are, I think, as Dan said, it did, it did start from a place where we sat down together in our living room, threw ideas around. I mean, it was all, it's that kind of irony of the fact that we ended up calling it our company Lounge and we were literally sat in, in our lounge. living room. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I suppose like the journey in terms of ensuring we were we were talking to our community in the way that we do now has been one that has evolved over time and that's kind of an honest conversation that we are happy to admit I think 
you know, yes, we started with those solid business foundations. Dan and I would sit and, you know, plan our influencer strategy. And it was very much born from um, selling that, that comfort made sexy. That's where it all began. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose over the years, we've really developed that strong female voice. And I think now Absolutely. that we've got this huge social presence, it's having the responsibility now to ensure that we really are putting out um, messages for young women around the world that, you know, to be confident in yourself, to feel empowered, to know that being a woman is is a great thing to be and that, that there's a community here at Lounge that can throw their arms around you whenever you need them. So we're more, the, the idea is to be more than just product, but to be a strong female voice that people can connect with. Yeah, I love that. And I think I'm studying my PhD at the moment, actually, and a lot of that is around... Um, brand community um, and the, the, the strength of having those online communities and how some brands are falling kind of behind in, in that respect and some brands are really pushing that and using that in times of, of crisis because essentially if you look at the whole fashion industry it is you know it, it, in in times of crisis and in times of peril it's really great to see brands like your own kind of excelling and moving forward so yeah it, it's mm. It's really fabulous. We love that you've got this fab female voice and presence and you're definitely having that ongoing conversation with your consumers, which which we love. For sure. I think you're making it really relatable. I loved the post. I guess recently everyone's been talking about that Kendall Jenner in that mm-hmm. red underwear. And I mm-hmm. think so many people looked at it and just thought, great, you know, brilliant, that's, that's not me. Mm. And I loved how you quickly reacted on that and said, actually, all women are beautiful, all shapes and sizes. So... I love that you champion diversity. I love that you champion real women. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes mm-hmm. the brand so successful. And that's why people buy into it, because they can see that the product looks good on anyone. Um, so yeah, that's my that, that's what I think is fantastic. Um, one thing I did want to add in is I know that you're really pushing the sustainability side of the business. Um, you have your products made from bamboo. You're really into recycled packaging. You're focused on your carbon footprint. So can you tell us a bit more about that and maybe what sustainability means to you and the brand? Um, yeah, I th- this was a relatively easy one for us because I think personally we're actually quite passionate about it, not just from a corporate responsibility point of view. Love that. Um, so it was. I think it was probably about 18 months, maybe two years ago, when we were finally in a position to actually start investing back into the sustainable part of the, the company. Mm-hmm. Um, we we kind of took it as like a, a two-pronged attack. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So first we took our packaging, which was kind of the easier wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think within six months, all our packaging from our mailing bags to our product bags to our swing tags to uh, the returns cards had all gone to recycled or sustainable materials. Amazing. Um, but then we made a start on the product, which is the much harder... Um, side of things because you've obviously you've got a lot of investment going from other companies into uh more like standard apparel products at the moment so sourcing those recycled or sustainable materials is a lot easier when you go into underwear and you've got more laces and embroideries there's 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 not as much investment going into those materials Ah, so it's harder to get hold of them that's interesting and and when you can get hold of them they're a lot more expensive Um, so essentially over the past 12 months, I think around 60% of our product that we've been launching um, has been made from uh, recycled or sustainable uh, materials. And then we've also started backdating products and converting those materials to sustainable or recycled. That's incredible. But it was literally, it was about a week ago, we literally said, uh, we're going to draw a line in the sand. Everything we launch from, from, from today um, 
is going to be made from uh, recycled or sustainable materials. Yes. So, yeah, it was kind of just <laughs> almost like, from our point of view, enough is enough, and we were going to uh-huh. become that, that green brand because there's no one doing it in our space as well, which is which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Pip agrees as well. She's kicking off in a bit. <laughs> Yeah. So, yes, Pip. Uh, she wants so to join sorry. in. That's no, fine. Uh, we, Don't we, worry. We, uh, as lecturers working from home, we have several dogs between myself and Laura. We I, know the yeah. drill. Our dogs are always kicking off. <laughs> no, I love that, and I love what you said about you know that it's, it's come from a genuine place of place of passion, and so many businesses yes. are getting it wrong because they are trying to do it to kind of please a consumer, and they're not actually genuinely passionate about it. And the fact you're yeah. thinking about this gap in the market and they're developing the product for it, um, yeah, is amazing. And maybe people are, are buying into it for that reason because you know, yeah. we've got this boom of Gen um, Z consumers that are kind of buying into brands for that reason. Transparency, and I think transparency is key. A hundred percent. And what we said in our um, initial podcast is we were talking about how the high street is failing and how we were saying we are not surprised that Arcadia collapsed because they weren't innovative, they weren't up to date, they weren't giving the consumers what they wanted. And I feel like with you guys being so transparent and modernising the company and being so connected to your consumer in terms of diversity, being inclusive, um, your product development, how you're always growing, that's the success of your business. I think that's what people really want. So oh, definitely. Totally. I think 100%. The, our, our consumer's always been at the the heart of all that, everything we push and all the decisions we make as a business. And I guess me and Dan being those kind of founding voices allows us to really push what we're passionate about as well. But one thing I would say is we're coming out of the pandemic and obviously our audience, I think obviously there's this, this um, conversation around millennials. I think we're now moving towards what we call coronials. Has anyone heard of this Wow, yet? no, do um, tell. <laughs> That's exciting. So, so obviously we're all coming out of the pandemic, but all the young people that are, are coming out of this experience that they've had are obviously so aware. Oh, my Siri is kicking off. Sorry. Um, our audience are obviously so aware of the world's health. Um, we kind of label uh, the way we talk around sustainability as, as, look, as looking after our mother nature and kind of almost labelling as her as her. She's just part of our female family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a way of ensuring that our, our community can really connect and engage with the way that we're pushing sustainability as a brand. Uh, which I think makes it even more powerful. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Do you feel like um, the pandemic has significantly enhanced the business? Like, do you feel like you've profited from it and you, your growth has been enhanced through um, the pandemic happening? Or do you feel like it's just remains um, consistent? No, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's no doubt it's accelerated our, our company. Um, I think we, we would have grown uh, quickly, um, without it but it's even though it's uh, obviously a horrible situation worldwide it's it's been in a way the perfect storm for a company mm. like ours we're we're direct to the consumer we're all online our product lends itself perfectly to people being at home it, it, it really is like the perfect storm we've grown i think we've we're about 300 percent up year on year we've gone from 14 million to over 50 million turnover in wow. a year <laughs> wow that's incredible um, 
yeah, it's been like I say. I, th- I think we'd have we'd have grown pretty quick anyway. But there's no doubt that um, it's had a positive impact on our company. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I've been living the dream. Not going to lie, working at home in my lounge set. <laughs> <laughs> I think obviously that the, the whole the whole the whole product boom as well as as a general in the sector has just been phenomenal. And mm. what do you think about um, lounge where going? I'm talking kind of when I say lounge where I'm now talking about the product as as well as um, as your brand. Um, you know, I am a huge advocate for comfies we were talking last week about the brand Udi I've bought several Udi's over lockdown and we were just talking about actually like the future of these products and uh, do you see that continuing um, for your brand even as we come out of lockdown and people start to kind of go out more and maybe ditch some of those products um, how do you see that fitting in with, with your brand moving forward I, I, I can't see it changing much. obviously there's going to be more still more people working from home than ever than you know prior to the pandemic but but this kind of comfortable clothing and, and relaxing kind of apparel was huge before the pandemic. Yeah. Obviously, it's heightened it, but it's not like this is a like a new fad. I don't think. Um, mm. Having said that, you know our core products underwear anyway. But yeah, I, which I, everybody I, I, needs. I can't, I can't, you know, it's an essential. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I can't. I can't see it changing. To be honest with you, obviously you'll see you'll see a spike in people wanting to. To go out and not wear joggers yeah. when they're going out for dinner, but um, yeah, I, I can't see it massively changing. To be honest, I with think you. it's although underwear is under the clothes. I feel like your brand is. You know how men sometimes you can see their like Kelvin Klein boxer. Yeah. You know the elastic showing. You've got that on your products, and it's. I think it's really cool to you know I'm wearing a lounge set. Like yeah. look at it. Look at the the you know the branding on it so I think it's mm-hmm. just it's cool and that's what people want like all of our students wear lounge underwear don't they, they yeah. just absolutely love it which is why we're so excited for them to listen to this podcast yeah. and we know we've got yeah, a lot of our, our alumni students that work with you as well yes um, yeah. which is amazing I mean um, I am all for the continuation of um, comfortable clothing I will tell you that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I think finally, obviously, uh, uh, the chat we're having today on our podcast with our listeners is very much about um, the influencer model and how it's changed. Um, for me, myself, I, I worked in PR starting many years ago, and I very much saw that the, the start of um, influencer marketing, I didn't really get it at first, if I was being honest. There was a very few people on the scene. It was a very unsaturated place. Um, and obviously, uh, you guys have said, you know, you work a lot with kind of really kind of key female influencers uh, and of a whole variety as well. And that's one thing we really love about your brand and why we really, really wanted to get you on the podcast to talk to you about you know how much you um you use lots of diverse models um you know c- catering to you know lots of different um backgrounds you know you use disabled models it's absolutely brilliant your page and your social media is really really inspiring so we'd just like to know like where you think um the changes might be in influencer marketing and um, um, how it might affect your brand, the kind of things you're thinking about moving your um, product forward using influencers? Yeah, I think, um, like I say, you kind of grew with uh, the boom of, of uh, social media influencer yeah. marketing. As, as a company, we did as well. So we were massively fortunate to get into this space very early because it's a totally different landscape now. Mm-hmm. We were in a position where we could essentially test influencers with very, very little investment. Most of the time in the early days, it was just gifted products mm. and, and, and test and learn. Because I think if you went into that space now, you'd really know, have to know what you were doing and you'd have to have a hell of a lot of money because it's such a different mm. space now. Um, but our, our, our strategy, I, I think it's 
probably the best in the world because we've had that luxury of, of growing up in the space and testing and learning and obviously scaling with it um, from an investment point of view as well. But um, it, it, we, we could take almost like a two-strand approach. So you've got, you've got your bigger influencers, almost like celebrity status, which we just use as brand, brand awareness pieces. And then you've got your micros that we actually find drive more engagement and revenue I love because that. They're, because they're so much more authentic and relatable, right? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. To the people that are following them. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting seeing how it's shifted and how things are changing. And I love the fact that people are more invested um, in kind of micro-influencers. That's really great. Um, I think... You connect with them more if they're... I guess if I see somebody with a smaller following, I guess I find them more relatable and you know that it's not an ad and they're choosing to wear it and they're representing the brand that way so I think we are going to see a shift in how brands work with consumers and influencers going forward yeah Yeah, this is a big conversation isn't it about the future of influencer marketing I think no one can really gauge what's going to happen but it's really nice to see real positive change in in the industry generally Uh, you know it's really good to see a a fab Birmingham based brand being a real advocate for that where we and so successful like it's incredible yeah, we, we, we love you. you, Brand. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for taking some time out to speak to us today. Thank you very much. We really appreciate no your time. Thank you. And well, and congratulations on your five years. Thank you very Thank much. You very much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so now we move on to our section of Like to Know. And this one is a bit of a controversial one. Mm -hmm. So H&M Lab Germany are launching a high-tech jacket that apparently makes a long-distance relationship work. So it's essentially going to be a denim jacket that um, has flexible sensors in it and tactile elements that are incorporated into the shoulders of the jacket. And then via an app, um, the user can manipulate the item to to transfer the signals to receive a touch. So essentially what they're saying is, if you're in a long-distance relationship, buy your partner this jacket and you can send them a a hug, (laughs) you know, a a cuddle. I really don't know what to think about this, if I'm being honest. And just <laughs> just before we came in today, we told our lovely our lovely producer Pete all about this jacket. So we feel like we might need to um, get one sent to we'll producer buy, we'll Pete. We'll get you the jacket, Pete. So <laughs> whenever we can just tap you at like three a.m. to say, "Here's a cuddle." We can love you, you. Can you edit our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's it's a very strange one. I really don't know how I feel about this. I, d- I imagine just like lying there and suddenly there's like this moving thing on your body. I know. I think it. I think it's quite creepy in a way but apparently so like if I had the jacket my partner my mum my sister they can all send me a hug but it would feel different from each person so one might be a firm (laughs) hug one might be a hand on the shoulder you know it just how far does this touch go you know can your partner send you a bit of a a boob growth like (laughs) what are the boundaries of this jacket the jacket has no boundaries man it has a mind of its own but just imagine just like being in a in an interview or, you know, having a meal and then you're like, oh, there's a little cuddle from a mum. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's lovely. I guess now people would love it because of the pandemic yeah, is quite yeah. fitting. And that's probably where the idea came from. But I don't I don't know if, if I would buy into it myself. No, it's like taking wearable technology to like the next step. Is the world yeah. ready for like 
hug. But is it post? Is it in oh, in a global pandemic? And when we haven't been able to see our loved ones, you know, I haven't seen my parents for months and months. Would I love a cuddle off my mum, a little yeah. cooch? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. I'd love it. But I just don't know if it's for me. I mean, I think the way fashion is going, we are seeing a lot of technology embedded into garments, you know, whether they can um, know your heart rate, your oxygen levels, all these things. Fantastic. Great. Um, some clothing have healing benefits. They have mm-hmm. aloe vera embedded into them. All these things. But is this a step too far? I think potentially. I mean, I don't own any wearable technology. Do you um, have like a Fitbit or anything? No, I'll say, I don't like wrists, do I? I've got oh, this yeah. really weird phobia. Yeah, you do. I can't wear bubbles or bracelets or watches on my wrist. I'm really, I've just started my running, haven't I? So I've just mm. been out doing, I've just finished couch to 5K, well proud. Um, and I'm, I am actually have genuinely been Googling and looking for like an alternative to something that goes on the wrist. There isn't that much stuff in terms of like you can wearable get technology. You like, clip onto your clothes though, can't yes, you? Yes, yeah, I forgot what the brand is called. I have looked yeah. at that, but it, they're so useful and they're so fantastic. But I think for, for me personally, with my really weird wrist phobia I know I'm very strange um it'd really be great to, you know to start to look mm. at things kind of moving on from a watch but again is this jacket too, too far? far I mean I've said previously I love a fad for some reason I just, I just <laughs> buy into all that stuff and I do have a Fitbit granted I'm not wearing it today but I went through that phase of wearing it all the time it tells you to move which was a lot throughout the day it's like Laura come on get off your bum and move (laughs) you know it tells you your heart rate how well you slept all those things and now I don't really use it so it is a bit of a fad so I don't know if this jacket is kind of like oh I'd wear it for a a month or so and then I just discard it like it's not it's not what does it have a long-term purpose is what I'm trying to say yeah maybe it might be just like a kind of a news piece for H&M it's really yeah it's a great um like we're talking about it right now it's getting people thinking and getting people talking isn't it and you know H&M are very uh, you know big pushes of kind of very digital they're looking at turning some of their stores into digital hubs and things like that so they're really kind of taking technology very seriously which is is great Great. and and brands definitely should be doing that but it could be just kind of a very new story how much is this jacket do we know i have have no idea i don't know it's obviously not going to be rolled out into mainstream like stores is it it's it's part of the h&m lab germany so it could be just something that they're producing yeah um and just trialing stuff so we'll see pete we're not sure if we can afford to get you one yet we'll find out um, so yeah, I think it's really, it's really, um, it's really exciting to see brands like really looking at technology and what they can do and how we can advance wearable technology. I think it's really important. It's really, really relevant. But are things a step too far? Um, we will see. We'll let you know when we've got producer Pete one. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us again for our second podcast. It's been really great to have some fantastic guests. Uh, Next week, we are talking all things sustainability in the fashion industry. We've got a fantastic guest as well. We've got Sophie from Superdry uh, talking about um, Superdry and how they are pushing and leading on sustainability in fashion. So it's going to be really, really great. And as always, we'll have a fantastic debate between myself and Laura, particularly around the whole Boohoo scandal. So thank you so much again for listening. We can't wait to uh, record our next one and we'll see you soon. Thanks everyone. Take care. Bye. Please don't forget you can listen to this episode and lots of other Brum Radio podcasts on the Brum Radio podcast channel at brumradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast today, don't forget to rate and review us. We would really love your support and feedback. Also make sure you subscribe or follow us so the next episode of The Fashademics gets to you automatically. You can also find us on Instagram at Fashademics. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.